This is Sports Nightly. Two wideouts to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills spins away. He's to the 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, Check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, just another day in paradise, right? Also glad to have you with us here on a Wednesday night, our hump day edition of Sports Island, motoring to another summer time weekend. Going to ratchet up. We're talking about maybe some 100-degree temperatures over the weekend. Ooh, hope the air conditioners are working. Coming up later on in the hour, we'll have our another edition of the Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles. This week, he sits down with recent Husker, Lamar Jackson, who's going to be off to try to make it in the National Football League at a camp here starting in a couple of weeks. It'll be an interesting conversation to hear from Jeremiah as we do each and every Wednesday night here on Sports Nightly. I want to start with uh, men's basketball and a story that Chris Hetty, the Omaha World Herald, posted earlier today about men's basketball season ticket holders getting a Notice that uh, they are delaying season ticket renewals uh, due to the ever-changing nature of the sports landscape. We have delayed season ticket renewals for the 2020-2021 men's basketball season until further notice is what the email reads. Um, obviously, a lot of uncertainty, obviously, about college football here that's supposed to start in about six weeks. And then the men's basketball regular season currently Listed to tip off on November the 10th with Cleveland State, the opening game of the season. But there's a growing concern in the sport that the season will not begin on time. We did. We heard last week or so, Ben, that the vice president from the NCAA in charge of men's basketball said they were really exploring maybe trying to move it up, start it in October and get the non-conference in before Thanksgiving when a lot of things are anticipated to slow or halt again in the sports world. But here's Nebraska just halting season ticket sales. Uh, last year, Nebraska sold out its season ticket allotment by August for Coach Hoiberg's first season uh, in, in Nebraska. Not surprised. Um, this kind of follows up Michigan football announcing they were halting football's ticket sales as well, knowing that if there are home games for the Wolverines in football, they will not be at capacity, maybe even not even close to capacity. So these athletic departments just operating on a day-to-day basis. And here's another sign of what could be a huge financial hit to Nebraska if they can't go sell any more season tickets for men's basketball. Yeah, no-brainer. I, I mean, it's easier to, to just put a hold on it as opposed to continue as usual, have, have your ticket distribution, have people get your season tickets, and then have – everything change and and you're dealing with a big mess of everybody trying to retract those figuring out who gets what what kind of season are they going to have and all those questions too so much easier to just put a hold on things and and just kind of play the wait and see game and it's still really early I mean, we're not even to to august yet so i mean if, if things change in a month even it's still plenty of time for for the season ticket holders to uh to get their get their season tickets or for those that want season tickets uh, be able to get those. So, yeah, not 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 too shocking today. Yeah. Uh, the other bit of news relates to Husker baseball and continued news for Will Bolt adding guys to his roster. An official announcement today of signing four more players. 
to the 2021 baseball team. These were all newcomers that we've known and talked about on the program, but it was made official today by Will Bolt. And you've got Jason, and is it Rock? Chance Rock, who's the right-hand pitcher who's been at New Mexico State. We talked about him. Luke Sartori, he's from Lincoln Southwest High School, has been at Hutch Juco. He's an outfielder. Max Anderson, who's the Gatorade Player of the Year from Millard West, who had signed with A&M, but because of a backlog of players in the Aggie program, he asked to be let out of his scholarship commitment there. It was granted. He's now going to be a Cornhusker. And Cam Wynn, Lincoln High product, who's – been at the junior college level and also Texas A&M going to come back. Uh, these add to the two that Will Bold announced in April that were at, coming to the Husker program. I don't know how you're not excited about what Will Bolt's getting done and Lance Harvell and Jeff Christie with what they're doing. It's also going to make a pretty competitive – they've got to be really competitive to make travel rosters, just make active rosters for the team. There's going to be a bunch of players fighting for 26, 28 spots on the active rosters. Yeah, and you think about what Nebraska's situation was specifically on the mound this year. Uh, there, there was a couple of guys that you could hang your hat on for for experience and guys that had been there before, but I, I'm remembering a conversation – that I had with Coach Bolt before, I think it was the third game in Tempe against Arizona State, and he goes, we just have guys that have not done it before. We got a whole bunch of pitchers that have never competed at this level. And and there was four or five of them that we saw that weekend, and, and more than just that weekend, but you know throughout that homestand as well, as guys that were going to have to have big roles. And we started to see some of those roles get defined a little bit, and guys like, okay, this guy's got a chance to be pretty good, you know, if he can be consistent. But then you think about what Nebraska was able to do on the addition front um, with the transfers and Jake Buns and and Cody Frank, two arms again coming in, and you had two more arms uh, that that were announced today. So you've added at least four pitchers to that staff um, that that you didn't have before, and and you've got even more guys coming in too. So I, I feel like. Nebraska's depth on the mound could be at a level to where we just haven't seen. You know, Chance Rock has a chance to come in right away and be a Friday guy. I mean, he's that he's got that good of stuff. And the the thing about him is uh, he's he's pitched so much at the collegiate level. You know, a lot like a guy like Gareth Stroh or you know any of those 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 pitchers that have that have pitched in this type of league before. It's a big chance for you to come and, and, and grab a hold of a weekend rotation spot, and I like Chance's chance to be able to do that. And then the other guy, Cam Wynn, uh, is a monster, 6'6", 220, and that, he's a completely different type of pitcher than than Hrock is. He's not, he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be like a Cade Povich like we talked about yesterday, commanding four pitches. He's going to be a grab-the-ball-and-throw-it-right-by-you type of pitcher that you can use in the back end of your bullpen. His fastball has touched 98 at times, and, and he's got a pretty good slider to back that up. So, uh, you know, that that's another piece that, that we felt Nebraska was maybe an arm or two short in that back end, re- reliable guys for that seventh, eighth inning. You thought Max Schreiber was going to be that guy, but then with the injury to Gareth Stroh, Max had to kind of bump up in that rotation and, and start, and he was stretched out to be that. But other than Shea Shanneman, who really had his struggles – you know, in the 15-game schedule, there really wasn't somebody that you could count on to go uh, get you those outs. Paul Tillotson started to carve that that roll out, that niche out, but 
Um, there's plenty of options open, plenty of, of, of spots open in the back end of that bullpen. I feel like Cam Wynn could come in and be you know, one of those guys right away. Again, uh, Juco pitcher and more experienced player. He only pitched twice for AM in his career. And then, obviously, Sartori uh, was off to a great start to his junior college season, was batting almost 500 uh, when their season got banged. It was close to 20 games, and w- Max Anderson's about as um, highly profiled of a local recruit that, that we've had, and most people probably know about him already. But, I mean, these are four guys that could come in, and I, I know the coaches are very high on Max Anderson, thinking he could be an everyday player at a number of different positions. And then you add these junior college players and these transfers in that have experience. It wouldn't be a shocker to see all four of these guys in an opening day lineup at some point. Yeah, the four college pitchers added since – April, two in April, and then the two that are announced today. And the only loss, the only loss you have off that pitching staff from this year is Gareth Stroh, who's decided to go elsewhere for a sixth year to go play with his brother at Wichita State. I don't think it's a stretch at all to go into next year, and here I am, I'm throwing some pressure on Will Bolt right away, but this looks to me like a roster that should definitely compete for a conference championship. I, I feel comfort, comfortable in saying that, too. I, I really do. And, and I think – I was talking with somebody about this yesterday. The, the blend that Nebraska has of, of upperclassmen and guys that have been here for a longer time, Jackson Hallmark, Joe Acker, Mojo Haggy, Spencer Schwellenbach even, guys that, that were around that Erstad staff, they're going to set the expectation of what it's like to play at Nebraska – within the locker room and then you have a guy like will bolt who's throwing that on top of it i think it's just going to be such a perfect blend of of what the new brand nebraska baseball wants to do uh compared to what the locker room norms are and and how you handle your business and what it's like to wear the end you know from some of those other guys that learn that from you know maybe the most prideful uh and logo wearer and darren erstad so i think it's a perfect blend and i think these guys are just flat hungry greg i mean you think about some of the personalities on that team um some of the guys i already mentioned but throw cam chick in there luke roscom in there these guys that want to win and they'll do anything to win and i and i think that um you know their mentality the mentality of their head coach coupled with all the talent that they're bringing in this could be an explosive bunch and a really fun group to watch in february yeah don't get me wrong i'm not saying they're going to win the big 10 i'm saying they will have the expectation of being a team that can win the big 10 legitimately can win the big 10 conference a team that definitely should be a regional team come next June. All those things are going to be in play as we get the buildup toward February for the start of the college baseball season. And we haven't even talked, outside of Max Anderson, we haven't even talked about what I think is going to be a terrific incoming group of freshmen that are going to be added to this program as well. Yeah, the next two years could be some of the best recruiting classes Nebraska baseball has ever had, and that's that's saying something. And the thing that's impressive about it is most of these kids are going to be Nebraska guys uh, from, from the Omaha metro area and beyond. You know, the, the numbers that they're putting up right now in, in some of these leagues, these prospect leagues, are just it's, – it's unbelievable to think. We were sitting at in Peoria, Arizona, um, you know, a few years ago, Greg, watching Oregon State run out freshman after freshman that are throwing 95, and we're looking at each other throwing our arms over. Why can't we have one guy like that? You know, yeah. we've got maybe one or two guys that are like that. You started to see it last year with Quinn Mason and Braxton Bragg and uh, some of these other pitchers that have that ability to run it up there like that. And, you know, from what these scouts are reporting that some of these Nebraska commits are putting up right now, that's more like it, and you're going to have not just one or two of them, but 
just about all of them that that run out there are going to have that ability to blow somebody away with a fastball, which which you need to have. I mean that we run into that every year in the postseason, every year in the regionals, and, and we've we've just we we haven't quite been able to match that at Nebraska, and I think we're slowly starting to get there. Yeah, and this backs up what we were talking about either last night or two nights ago. They all blend together to me that Aaron Fitt, National College Baseball writer, saw Cade Povich throw over the weekend and was really impressed with Cade Povich, and we were too. The, first, the two or three times we got to see him pitch uh, this spring, he's certainly going to be a factor for that weekend rotation for next year. So really excited about that. And, you know, no, no surprise on the men's basketball season, ticket sales being halted right now with the uncertainty about what's coming up for college basketball. All right, those are some of the things we're highlighting with you here tonight. Uh, 866-HUSKER-1, the number. If you want to be a part of the program, you're always welcome to join the show. It is your show, your state, your Husker program that we talk about here each night on Sports Hunting. When we come back, Jeremiah Searles will have this week's edition of the Husker Huddle. So he sits down with Lamar Jackson. That's next. Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle presented by Sap Brothers, where we say, welcome, be our guest. Today, our guest, Lamar Jackson, the newest member of the New York Jets, former Nebraska Cornhusker defensive back, and he's uh, joining us here today on Husker Huddle. Lamar, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Appreciate you guys for having me on here. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you taking the time to catch up with us. It's been a while. Heck of a journey, man. You've you've been through a lot here in the last six months. Um, I remember my rookie year, and it's an absolute grind. So let's talk a little bit about what that grind was like for you. So season ends um, after we beat Iowa, or excuse me, after we should have beat Iowa, and uh, <laughs> we move forward with it. What did you do immediately after that Iowa game to start preparing for the NFL? Uh, after Iowa, you know, you pretty much you at the, when you end football around that Thanksgiving time, you pretty much got about like a week, two weeks of school left. So. I kind of already right after the game, you know, it was kind of bumming. You know, I kind of grieved over, grieved over it for the night or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you know, we was we had we had we had some to chase. So I was super excited to get into the process, you know, and just get into the the the, the flow of things, you know. So I, I soon after uh, signed with the agency, pretty much signed with my agent. Uh, I pretty much finished school, and then um, once I finished school, I pretty much shot right back to California. And um, I was out, I was back home for a few days, and then um, but pretty much just training. Uh, I was training there at Mamba Sports Academy there in LA for about a, like almost like half a month or something like that. And then they end up having this report um, pretty much at Phoenix Phoenix Exos in Phoenix uh, January second. So that's pretty much when I started the whole combine training you know so top of the year you know so it was right it was right away so i pretty much had a month pretty much just connect with family uh really just stay in shape you know and just get ready for what i was about to embark on so after season it was pretty much just you know it got the uh, straight to business i finished school then i you know went back home then i figured out where i was about to train and all that good stuff with the xos you know and i kind of got that all that process started you know i stayed down i stayed up there for about two months two months and a half um, and, you know, that was all just combine prep. Uh, I loved it. I was in Phoenix. You know, it wasn't too much outside time other than just, you know, the, the workouts. Mm-hmm. It, we pretty much had a full schedule every day, you know, pretty much reporting to the facility twice a day to do some type of movement, some type of lift or some type of run. You know, it was kind of all structured pretty well. So, I mean, I believed in the program and all that good stuff. So I kind of just gave it all I got, you know, and just tra- train like I knew how to train, just put my head down and kind of just – I was already locked in for what I had to embark on, you know, just the, the, the two months of just preparing for the combine and just making sure I was ready and, you know, stuff like that. So after I got through that, you know, I pretty much, you know, hit the combine, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of already had all, I'd ask 
people that went through the same thing years before or a couple years before that kind of just asked them what they think, got their opinion. You know, they kind of gave me little tips and stuff like that, what to expect and all that good stuff. Being at the Combine, just with it being a whole week of just evaluation stuff when it comes to just meetings, you know, uh, meetings and meetings and um, weigh-ins and measurements and psychological tests and, you know, it's, it's all types of just stuff when it comes to just your mind, the mind mm-hmm. the mind part of it, you know, the football stuff don't come to the end. So we kind of had to go through all that. I kind of had a um, pretty good idea what that was going to be like and what to expect. So it wasn't like nothing that was too crazy for me. But I kind of just, you know, I kind of, it was a lot of times where I kind of expected things to be worse than what it was just because of what I didn't heard and how everybody pretty much said you guys should cry. It's, I mean, it's not fun. You don't hate it and all that good stuff. I mean, what it was too bad. What was your biggest surprise from the Combine, Lamar? I mean, what was something that kind of maybe threw you for a loop or something that someone had maybe prepared you for, maybe not, but still kind of just took you by surprise? Um... I'll just say meeting with the teams over and over, you know, like, because originally, like, you know, you're going to meet with teams, but at the end of the day, you're not expecting to meet with four or five different people separately and then all together. It's kind of like one of the things where, like, you kind of, it's like a ladder. You go, everybody, you meet with the position coach, you meet with somebody from somewhere where they all kind of, it's like you like you got a meeting with you got to for example you got a meeting with Green Bay or you got a meeting with whoever it may mm-hmm. be. I mean you 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 feel like okay I just met with Green Bay last night or I just met with them the, uh, you know the day before, but really it's just someone totally different you know kind of with a whole different agenda when it comes to just the meeting uh, aspect. We kind of some people kind of broke down just you you know some people try to put put you on the board or try to see if you know some defense and all that good stuff. So it was that was pretty much the biggest like surprise is just how you went about the meetings. You know it was just mm-hmm. so many of them like I kind of was figuring like dang how if we got all this meeting time you know so how it's only 32 teams like how how much can we meet but then they break it up to the point where like they definitely feel the time sometimes they even go over just with the meetings 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 and it's just multiple personnel from every different staff and all that good stuff so that was my biggest surprise but you know that was kind of probably i also say probably the most stressful things just kind of repeating yourself over and over you know and just trying to really just stick to the script and just kind of you know it's just a lot of talking that's for sure it's a whole lot of talking and just you know because each time you know you gotta you're thinking like it's first impressions everything so it ain't like you can just be like damn i met with green bay i'm not meeting with another coach and give him a different vibe you know so you kind of got to just you got to just stay focused, you know, and just kind of remember why you're there. And that is a, that is a pretty much a dream come true to be there and just not take it for granted. Right. So, so this year the Combine did something different and they had guys work out at night. That's something that they did for the first time ever this year. What were your thoughts on that? Or would you have rather woke up and woke, or woke up and went and worked out first thing in the morning? Uh, I definitely just me being from uh, being at Nebraska and stuff, you know, getting used to we we, we practice early the earlier blocks in the day, so six a.m. to about eleven. So like we pretty much, I'm used to the early morning get up and you know go. I really prefer it that way because I feel like you know you straight out of bed, you fresh, you know, rather than them filling up a day of just pretty much wasting your time really mm-hmm. to just so you can work out later in the day because it's one of the things where it's just, especially when it's workout day you know it's that's day four day five so like you're kind of like you're already fed up you know it's like it just has been a long week you ready to just get it out of there get out of there do your workout and just get back to wherever you're going so 
when they kind of it really just felt like they prolonged it a little bit just because like you know they they try to give us a sense that we was going to be working out in prime time and stuff like that but really it's just a, a day of just you know snacking trying trying to stay focused mm-hmm. trying to you know stuff like that so like i wouldn't say it was pretty beneficial to the athletes i mean not to me at least i would prefer to just wake up you know and get get things rolling just top of the morning because i did kind of feel like you know legs is heavy i was just naturally fatigued just right because it was the, it was the bottom end of the day you know so like it was kind of hard for me to kind of get up get like to get to get that enthusiasm that I was expecting to get just being there, you know, because everybody talked about adrenaline and just it was like I felt like it was kind of flat, you know, just it was hard for me to really find some adrenaline. Like, it, like I really didn't feel like even myself, I was telling myself, like, I got to pick it up. Like, but, you know, it was whatever. I'm not and no regrets. But like right. I say, it wasn't necessarily beneficial for me. You know, I would prefer just doing it early. Absolutely. Well, so we get through the combine um, and, you, and you get to the draft and uh, the draft no, I and, and, that you didn't uh, go we, exactly how it wanted to go, but you're on a team right now and that's all you got to do is get your foot in the door. But did you had talks with the Jets beforehand? Did you know they were very interested and how did that relationship kind of blossom for you? Yeah. And just to go back a little bit, like I, um, I forgot I went to the recent senior bowl too for a week. Uh, oh, that's right about a week before the combine so that was kind of like a little a pre like a little pre a little taste of what the mm-hmm. combine was when it comes to just interviews and stuff like that but that was also like a fall camp week you know a grind oh, grind it's grind. terrible it's terrible it taxed my, it taxed <laughs> my body it taxed my body something crazy because just and i realized like dang why why i feel like i'm just working so hard or why my body feel like i really went through a camp but it's really just the competition and stuff like yep. that you know because you really going you really got to give it all every rep every place so you kind of run around you know just emptying the tank truly so like that's like that's that's what i felt during that week but that was also a nice little grind week so but yeah but yeah after yeah like after the combine and stuff like that prepare i mean we pretty much went back to um i think we, we got back uh march 2nd or so, what yep no. sounds right last last week yeah. last week in february was the combine yeah okay so yeah i think we got back around march 2nd and so i pretty much went to arizona back to exos for about a few days you know just waiting to grab all the rest of my belongings ship everything back to nebraska because we had a pro day coming up on the 12th so i pretty much stayed out there for just a few days you know uh, got all my stuff back to nebraska and i shot back to nebraska you know and kind of when i got back here i kind of feel like you know i was already like I, i've been working out i've been training i kind of really just took the, the the week or so before my pro day kind of just i took a few days off you know i kind of just was stretching you know just doing little things you know nothing too crazy uh and then like yeah just preparing for that luckily we was able to get that in because that, that was pretty much like why we were doing our pro day and stuff like that scouts and stuff everybody was getting calls basically mm-hmm. saying come back to come back home and whatever it may be so that was kind of um i had a meeting after the pro day was cool you know i, I was happy all the athletes got to work out and stuff like that and um you know it, it was what i expected to be you know i wasn't just i wasn't really going to run again at pro day but my coach you know just being who he is i let him get in my head you know he <laughs> so that kind of messed me up you know but I ended up running again just for my coach, really, when I planned on not running nothing like that again. So I had to get ready to do that, knock that out, um, did all the drills and stuff like that. Super tiring. They kind of – the pace is super crazy. Up right. They had, they had us going drill after drill after drill, and it was only like two, three dBs. So, like, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we had a little a whole lot of rest time. So right. I kind of just grinded through that, you know, was a little gas and stuff like that, but knocked that out. Uh, then after that, I met with the Bears, you know, had a little lunch date with them. 
and kind of just talked about Chicago and stuff like that. Um, so that was pretty much like one of my that was my my only pro day meeting after. Uh, he was pretty much talking about what's gonna happen moving forward and stuff like that. He kind of was talking about how, like he didn't know and you know like they don't know what's gonna happen and they kind of just saying like it's love in Chicago and everything else. We you know just talking pre draft stuff and then so you know I kind of I feel like I did I feel like it was a good day you know and overall so. I kind of just after the pro day, I kind of um, after the pro day, I kind of just I stayed in Nebraska for a few more weeks. Uh, stayed out there till like I think like the second week of April, and then um, got shot back to California to be with my family and stuff like that for uh, for a draft process mm-hmm. and to train a little bit. So that was pretty much that. So, so you're with the Jets now. You get picked up with them. What have OTAs been like for you? Um, how has this been adapting as a rookie? I know you don't even really know what football in the NFL is like yet, considering you haven't even stepped foot in a facility yet. But how has the transition so far been from college to NFL? Uh, I mean, we didn't, we didn't went through a six, seven week uh, off season virtually, so like we didn't put in a whole playbook. You know, just we actually just went dead here last Friday, so yep. we pretty much we pretty much dead until we. Uh, supposedly report uh to camp late july they got us reporting right now july 21st or something but you know it's subjected to change you know earlier or later Always. just depending on what, what ended up happening so um yeah so after uh so i pretty much just i mean the, the, the off season pretty much just been it's just been it's like you say it's kind of it seems kind of crazy just because like i really don't know i got I, i'm in the league i'm i'm an nfl player but I ain't stepped on the field. I ain't put a helmet on. I ain't got a number. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like a weird feeling, you know. Right. But at the same time, I didn't put in seven weeks of five-hour meetings every day. You know, when it comes to just special teams, team meeting, defensive meeting, you know, like like just like a meeting day, like it's the full thing, you know. So from top to bottom, they didn't put in a special teams scheme. They didn't put in you know all the defensive you know shells, plays, whatever it may be. You know, of course everything's not going to be on the menu and stuff like that. But they didn't they didn't install pretty much everything. So like. It's been a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Our DB coach, he, he's one of them ones. He tests us. He makes sure like he we rookies meet twice a day. So we was doing um we start like me being um on the West Coast. I was starting at eight o'clock, but now that I'm back in Nebraska. I, I, it pushed it back to eleven. But like pretty much you meet from for I say eleven. We, so we, so here we was going from eleven to four every day, and it was just the DB coach. He kind of just always like he quizzed us, pop quizzes. He kind of mm-hmm. kept us on our, like he had me sweating on the screen, you know, <laughs> just because at the end of the day like. So, you know, this is this is like you every day, like you you trying out right now. You know, when it comes to just you know knowing your stuff and just making sure you locked in and paying attention. So, that I mean, like I say, the meeting process it was, it was real. I mean, that that definitely kind of made made me realize like, okay, this is the NFL, this is the league. Like I say, I'm I'm other than that, I'd just be training and making sure I'm ready for when I when it's time to go. Absolutely, you're gonna when when you step on that camp uh, camp field for the first time, man. It's gonna be a great feeling for you and for all these rookies that have had to do with all this trying times here. We're excited to continue to watch you as you continue your NFL career and really get started this year. But uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk with you a little about Husker football, man. You know this team very well, being only a few months removed here. But the lack of spring ball is really gonna hurt this team, in my opinion. But you know some of these leaders, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Put yourself in their shoes right now. You're going into your senior year. You have no spring ball. You have a fall camp that's probably going to be shortened. What would your message to this team be if you were still uh, playing at Nebraska? Uh, I definitely agree with you when you say that the lack of spring ball and all that stuff is going to affect us. You know, like I say, I'm like you say, I'm just removed. You know, so I know I know the team, I know the players, I know who they depend on, I know all that. You know, I'm still I know what's going on still. You know, so like 
it's one of the things where I say like it's definitely not like I say it's not beneficial. I mean, we like it ain't like we like we like you know like we ain't come like we're not like no big powerhouse who right. just compete for national championships every year, you know. So it ain't a lot of winning habits ain't necessarily instilled in a lot of our players. So when it comes to just structure, we're definitely missing that. With like I feel like it's way too much free time, you know. At the end of the day, even if we're doing these voluntary workouts or getting anybody in the workout, I mean that's what an hour or two a day, you know. I mean like we it ain't no classes and ain't no nothing. So like it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time for error, you know, and at the end of the day, like no one really knows what to expect, you know. So kind of just like me, you know, before we had a date, like it's like dang, um how should I how should I push it? I'm not really sure when I'm gonna have the report or even like for college players, like, I'm oh I should I really work out when mm-hmm. I don't want to or you know, I'm not really sure if we even gonna have a season, you know. So I know like some people are taking definitely taking the the the, the weaker route, you know, when it comes to just at pushing it every day, you know, or just feeling like they got time or stuff like that. So, I, like I said, the time the time element is not helpful. Uh, I mean, I know, I believe in the team, you know, but at the same time, I just I, I, like I say, it's a lot of it's a lot of work that needed to be done, you know, to make sure we didn't have a season like last year, you know. So, I'm not necessarily I'm not I'm not necessarily saying the work's not being done, but it's definitely gonna make it a lot more harder, you know, a lot harder to obtain when it comes to just you know just a team goal and just keeping everybody together and just making sure everybody's ready when, when they do kick that ball off. And that's one thing I was just actually talking to my girl about. Like, it's honestly sad just because, like, at the end of the day, like, if they kick that ball off, you know, come September, whatever it may be, that's that, that's going to be it. That's your year, you know. It ain't like it ain't like you're going to get the year back because right. COVID, you know. So if they play, it's going to cycle, you know, you if that's your resume. So if you don't do enough to do what you need to do to get to that, to that league or whatever it may be, you you asked out really so like it's one of the things where like I wish and I hope that everybody's kind of you know keeping that in their mind just like I like especially the seniors and stuff like that like I got like regardless you know COVID regardless of the situation I need to get mine you know I need yep. to make sure I'm doing what I did do to make sure I'm ready you know so like that's the only thing I can really ask for from the guys that's going to be exiting but you know younger guys and stuff like that they got a little bit more lenience but it's really like at the end of the day like it ain't helping them become winners either. So, but at the end of the day, when it comes to just seniors and stuff like that, them the ones that's gonna take the biggest L's when it comes to just starting the season up, you know, on some on some uh, fast stuff and just you know trying to push everything forward, you know, just to try to stay as close to the schedule as possible. So, I just know like everybody ain't been working, everybody ain't been you know maximizing this time, you know. But like like when I, someone told me like you know time's gonna either you know it's gonna it's gonna promote you or it's gonna expose you, you know. So like. I feel like that I'm a believer in that. So like I just pray that, you know, everybody just making sure they they using their time the best they can. So when they do go, that it ain't too much of a, a setback or nothing like that. Cause I hate for people to have regrets. But right. at the, but at the end of the day, like I say, you know, COVID's been going on. I mean, I just hope to us just go out there and win, you know, go at least above five hundred or whatever it may be, 'cause or or even better. But like I say, if the season go, I just hope I just hope the best. Right. So last question here. I mean, like I said, you've been you've been removed very shortly here, but I know that you've had a lot of dead time when you are training. And I remember those times and I reflected a lot back on my time in Nebraska during those times. You got a chance to reflect, look back on your career here. What are some what is the moment that you think really stands out to you that kind of will define Lamar Jackson's career and what he did here at Nebraska? 
Uh, I'd just say, uh, I'll probably just say my senior year, just period. Because, like, one thing about me, I feel like I always, been, like, I always wear my emotions on my sleeve mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I never really hid too much of nothing. Like, it's, like, everybody, including fans, players, teammates, everybody kind of always knew what, what I was thinking or what or where I was at with things, you know. So, like, it's a good thing and a bad thing. But, you know, like, as I got older, but it's also, like, I, I'm also super aware of myself, you know, when it comes to just – knowing my growth, knowing my development, knowing where I started, knowing where I finished, and, like, I'm proud of it, you know. I feel like, like I say, I never regret the fact. I'm not walking away with no hardware or nothing like that from Nebraska, but it definitely became, it, 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 Nebraska definitely helped me become a man, so I guess I'm forever indebted for that, you know, just even though I went through so many coaches and all that good stuff, like, everybody left something with me, you know, when it comes to just helping me develop to be a, a better player and give me the opportunity to get to where I'm at today, so... Like I say, I really would just say the, the the whole just body of work. I just know, like, I was a little knucklehead coming in. You know, I thought I knew it all. I was highly recruited. You know, I thought I was going – everything was going to be peaches and cream, you know, until I, I hit the wall, you know, stuff went left and made me make a choice. Then, boom, I got on the field. I wasn't really ready. felt like a victim. I decided I needed to do better. You know, I didn't uh, – junior year come around, I'm getting a little older. You know, I'm now I'm starting to get this. You know, I'm starting to understand more. I'm going to play a little better. Senior year, I feel like I just became a complete player, you know, when it comes to just, you know, just mentality wise and just how to go about work you know and I feel like you know that, that's that's thanks to my my position coach my head coach and all the staff there just kind of helped me develop and you know just kind of believing in me you know and just trusting me you know and just stuff like that so like if it, you know for I'm thankful for it, the opportunity they gave me and I'm just thankful I was able to capitalize on everything I was able to you know like my stat line was good mm-hmm. all that good stuff so I, I mean there's no regrets there I just say like I'm just happy the way I, I, I went out you know I didn't go out sad I stuck it through the hard times, you know, I kind of just show my true character, you know, when it comes to just adversity and all that good stuff. So, like I said, I just kinda, I'm just kind of happy about – I'm just happy with the outcome of everything and that I was still able to make it to where I wanted to be, even though I went through so much. Well, Lamar, we were I loved watching you play your senior year, man. I think that you have an, all the tools that you need and everything necessary to become an NFL player. It sounds like you've got the right mindset. I know Husker Nation's excited to watch you. I know I'm excited to watch you continue in your career. And I want to thank you for joining us here on Husker Huddles, presented by Sap Brothers, where their top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. Sap Brothers is offering full service at the pump as our nation relies now more than ever on drivers and farmers to provide essentials to our community. Sap Brothers is committed to serving you. Lamar, stay healthy, man. Keep grinding. Keep working out. And when you walk on that field in camp, I know you'll be ready to go. So thank you for joining us today on Husker Huddle. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's time for Famous Dave's Face-Off. Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDave's.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Lano Amano, you me, right here, right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Austin Orman. Here we are, Austin's second time as co-host of Face Off. And last time, it was a blowout in favor of Ben, who now has an 8-7 to seven overall lead. The first time you've ever led Ben in this entire time we've been playing this game, which has been 15 weeks. This is week 16 now. So we were talking before we went on air that you're not really going to know what to do playing with the lead. No, it's just kind of just like buy sell, right? It's either like Greg just dominates, or you know I come from behind and, and somehow eke out a win. So, yeah, this could be this could be interesting tonight. 
I wonder if my strategy will change subconsciously or not. Thoughts on Austin being here? Is that good? Luck I like or not? it. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I like <laughs> I liked his performance in, in, in uh, two weeks ago. So willing to give him another try. Greg, you look displeased. No, I, I it's great having Austin with us. I mean, I'm missing Tim. I need Tim back in this deal. Yeah, that's true. He was he was on the first few weeks. He'll probably be back. All right. Eventually, I think we can guarantee that. But yeah, when he was. The Tim co-host. distracts Ben. You uh, you started. Uh, I think you started <laughs> three of your first four, Greg. Yeah. So that and that was all Tim. So, I mean, there. I think there seems to be a, a correlation there. All right, let's jump into this week's questions. And as we usually do, we start with a little Husker football. Who are the top four Huskers in rushing yards in the 1995 Orange Bowl against Miami? Greg. Greg in first. Greg. Lawrence Phillips. How about Lawrence Phillips? That is correct. Do you want to pass or play? I'm going to play. Let's go Corey Schlesinger. Show me Corey Schlesinger. That is correct. So just to catch up here, Phillips had 96 rushing yards. Schlesinger had 48. So they're both in the top four for the Huskers. Um, Damon Benning. How about Damon Benning? Yes. He uh, only had 18, but that's good enough for top four. Okay. Um, both quarterbacks played. So let me start with Tommy Frazier. How about Tommy Frazier for the fourth answer? Yes, running the category. That's a good start. Frazier had 31. So Phillips led the way with 96, Schlesinger 48. Frazier had 31 rushing yards and Benning with 18. Yeah, and then Damon had a big Orange Bowl a couple years later. Yep. I think he might have even been the Orange Bowl MVP. Yeah, I think that was 96. Yeah. Against Tech. Good start for Greg. Very I always pick. start. I think I win yeah, the I first one every week, and then Ben wins like the next four. I don't know if it's a – is that a strategy, Ben? Are you letting no. him get out to – okay. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Greg, makes, Greg makes it a conscious effort to, to get control of the first category every week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, whatever works. Is that stealing home field advantage or keeping home oh, field advantage? Oh, it's just beating me to the punch. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Question number two. We stick with Husker football, but a much more recent pass, the 2019 season, in fact. Which six Huskers had at least one interception in the 2019 ben. season? Ooh. Ben. Get that one. Cam Taylor Britt. Show me Cam Taylor Britt. Pass or play, Mr. McLaughlin? I'll play. Lamar Jackson. Is Lamar Jackson on the list? Show me Lamar Jackson. <laughs> two for your first two. Gets a little tougher from here, though. Yeah. DiCaprio Boodle. Show me DiCaprio Boodle. No decap. Plenty of breakups did not pick one off, though. Braxton First Clark. Break. Show me Braxton Clark. Good recovery. Yeah, good, good recovery. Pull. So you're halfway home. Markel Dismuke. Show me Markel Dismuke. 
Really? No Markel Dismuke down to your final strike with three players remaining. Hmm. Man. Greg is doing some writing. He's ready. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to write the name, so. I could have swore Kel had one. Um, not according to Huskers.com, so that, that, that's a good source. And Eric Lee. I double-checked oh. before the segment. Show me Eric Lee. Dang it. That was the one that got that Staying one. alive. Yes. You're hanging on. <laughs> Still two left. He might have, was this a pick six? He actually had two. Okay. Eric Lee did have a pick six to answer your question, yeah. by the way. I thought he did. Yep. That was okay. the one I wrote. Uh, this, is gonna be, this is gonna be way bad if if it's not right, but I I, I could have swore he had one. Alex Davis. Show me Alex Davis. Wow, that's a great poll. <laughs> doesn't look really bad. Impressive. Looks quite good, in fact, Ben. Good, good poll. This is not how I anticipated one to get one answer correct. Yeah, I didn't think that this is how the category would go. I didn't think you guys would get this far. Hmm. There's one name in mind, but I'm not sure he got one. Give me JoJo. Show me JoJo Doman. Good guess. That was a good guess. Yep. <clears throat> so, Greg, you get a chance at the uh, the steal here. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, yeah. Boy, I would... Against Purdue, one of the big boys was, I can't remember if it was a fumble or a pick, and they didn't quite make it into the end zone. I think it was Darian Daniels. And I think the ball squirted up in the air, and so I think it was a pick. So I'm going to go Darian Daniels. Show me Darian Daniels. Wow. I thought it was a fumble. Craig pulls it out. And Man, I thought it was a nope, fumble. He snatched it out of the air with his mitt. The Dismuke one you're thinking of was a fumble against Maryland, and that was on the ground that he scooped it and ran it down about the 10. But, yeah, and then Darian didn't score, right? And then we didn't score, yep. if I remember right, or got a field goal. Nope, he got dragged jo and down. Jojo, for, Jojo had one go through his, of it. Jojo had one go through his hands, and Cam Taylor Britt took it to the house against Iowa. Wow. You guys, Jojo tipped it right to Cam Taylor Britt. I can't believe that was an interception because I was even thinking about that play. I'm like, no, that's a fumble. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe man. you guys came up with all As six. As I pull up sports reference, it Ooh. appears JoJo Doman is listed as having an interception. So it says seven on sports reference, but not Huskers.com that Josh used. Interesting. Controversy. <laughs> Controversy is right. Who knew? Well, JoJo did. I, I remember the one Ben's talking about. That was a tip pass that Britt then picked. Yeah, and, and, and I knew that. Obviously, I knew he was, didn't yeah. pick that one. But the two names I wrote down, Josh, were Eric Leagues. I remember the pick six, yep. and then Darian Daniels. But, man, I wasn't <laughs> sure about Daniels, whether it was a fumble or a ball that squirted up in the air. Yeah. Either way, good work. Uh, Woo! 
both of you guys. That was yeah, impressive. Yeah, we cleaned the category. We sure did. But Greg up 2-0 as we go to question number three. Name the four colleges with the most Heisman Trophy winners. Ben. Greg. Ben in first. Ben. Ohio State. Show me Ohio State. Yes, they have six. Are you going to pass or play? Play. Okay. Oklahoma. Show me Oklahoma. Good start. They have seven, by the way. And USC. How about USC? Okay, so that's three of the four. You have one left, and uh, I... A note on USC, they're still top four, but they would have one more if Reggie Bush hadn't vacated right. his Heisman. He's back Those, in good graces, he though. He is, though. He has been yeah. restored with yeah. the good graces. Of the how many? Did, could you tell me how USC had? You said four, right? No, four they that had count? six. They had six. Five uh, that count? Would have seven that wouldn't, okay. or six that counts. They would have had seven with Bush. Ohio State, six. Oklahoma, seven. How about Notre Dame? Show me Notre Dame. Wow, another yeah. clean sweep of a category, Ben. Staying alive. I was hoping you were going to forget about the Irish. Notre Dame with seven. They haven't had one in a while, but it's been they, a long time. Right. Yeah. But they had a bunch there in the early yeah, I think 50s like and 60s. Tim Brown is the last. In, yeah, that to, sounds right. That'd be 30 years ago. Oof. Wow. Wow. A couple Impressive, in the Ben. 20s and 30s, and then a couple more in the 60s and 70s. Yep. Oh. Impressive. I thought she'd throw oh, a Bama right. or something out there. Nah. Ben knows his Heisman trophies. I do. <laughs> Three strikes to work with, too. Had some guessing room to throw Ooh. out Alabama and still come back to Notre Dame. But speaking of Alabama, we go to the Crimson Tide for question at number four. Since 2009, which three Alabama football players led their team in rushing for multiple seasons? Ben. Okay. Trent Ben's Richardson. Show me Trent Richardson. He did it once, but not twice. How about Ingram? He won a Heisman Show Trophy. Show me Mark Ingram. <laughs> Category series, Greg, passing or yeah. playing? How many are there? Three? Three total, yep. Yeah, I'll play. Yep. Give me the guy that's been in our sports ticker, Derek Henry. Show me Derek Henry. One left. Very, very nice. All right. You're two-thirds of the way there. Mm. Richardson's a no. Uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank <laughs> on even the rest of their tailback. All right. So it's uh, since 2009, so. Ingram, I think, was their first Heisman Trophy winner, by the way. Ooh. A little added trivia there. They, yeah, gone. they they didn't have any, no, or they had just maybe one other one. So we do have a little bit of a note here that may or may not help you. Ingram was his two years that he led was 2000, 2009 and 2010, and then you mentioned Derrick Henry. He was your second guess. 2014 and 2015 were the years that he led. So that at least narrows it down a little bit for eras. Last 10 years, correct? Since 2009, so basically, Nine, yeah. 11, yeah, 11 years, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Buzz me, I'm running out of time. All right, we'll buzz you. See, now it's in your head. Yeah. <laughs> now I was just worried about yeah, the it's, time. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Once you once you get to a point where you're in your head about it, not even able to really throw out, throw out names. So that's one strike. Um, Williams. I can't think of his first name. Show me... Williams, whatever his first name is. <laughs> we might have given I'm, it to I may you, have but... protested that one. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't think of him. Stuck on first well, name. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um... I don't know. Buzz me. I'm all right. Out. All right. Another three, three strikes. So, Ben, you get a chance at a steal here. I got it between two, and I don't know which one to guess. Eddie Lacy or TJ Yeldon. And I know it's one of those two. It has to be. Flip a coin. Have Google flip a coin for you. <laughs> trying to remember. So Trent Richardson played with Eddie Lacy, and you said Trent Richardson did it once. That might have been Eddie's freshman year. Oh, man, this is hard. Google says heads, by the way, on the coin flip I just did for you. Okay, well, I don't know which, I don't know which, <laughs> I don't know which guy's heads. I think the first one you said, you said, which one did you say first, Lacey? Yeldon. Oh, you said, okay. I thought he said Lacey first, but. I heard Lacey and then Yeldon. Yeah, that's what I heard, Austin. Yep. I mean, just go with your gut at this point. I was shocked Richardson wasn't in there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'll take Yeldon. Show me TJ Yeldon. No! <laughs> it was not TJ Yeldon. It was also not Eddie Lacy. Oh, really? That makes the current better. running back, Damian Harris. He's led the Crimson okay. Tide in rushing the last three seasons. Man, fortunate. Did, did Richardson go in the first round of the Browns? He did. He did in the third right. overall. Yeah. Terrible. Yep. Terrible. Yeah, and the Colts yeah, that was a bust. Was supposed to be the savior. He was a thousand-yard rusher his rookie year, and then just fell and then apart. nothing. Yep. Yeah. All right, Greg, you have now a three-to-one lead. Looking to close it out here as we move to question number five. Which four men have the most Wimbledon titles all oh time? God. Ben. Ben in first. Ben's in Roger third. Federer. <laughs> How about Roger Federer? Yes. Good, good guess. He is the number one all-time. <laughs> Uh, Wimbledon titles leader with eight. How many do I need to get? You need three more. All-time Wimbledon winners. Yeah, pass your play here. <laughs> well, I got to play it. I mean, you don't have to, but sure. Yeah, I'm not going to give Greg control of the board. Here. Right. Especially since you already have one. <sighs> okay. Um, how about John McEnroe? Show me John McEnroe. Good guess, though. It is a good guess. He uh, is a little bit down the list, but he's in the top ten. I don't know. If... Pete Sampras? Show me Pete Sampras. 
He's number two with seven Wimbledon titles. How many, how many more do we need to get? <laughs> two more. Two Half more. I believe you can come up with these, Ben. I, They're not totally off the radar. You've heard of these guys before. Yeah. I just I just don't know which ones are better than others. Right. Well, especially on grass. You're talking At Wimbledon about specifically. Yep. Um... Um, it's really hard not to give clues. That, yeah, what what's that guy's name? Um, Bjorn Borg. Show me Bjorn Borg. That is a good guess. Man, I was hoping that's the one you wouldn't get. He had five in his career. How many more guesses do I have? You have two more. You only have one strike. You said John oh, yeah. McEnroe, and that was not correct. But you've gotten three correct, and you have one I can't believe hit. he wasn't right. McEnroe, yeah. I think he yeah. only had three or four, but... Okay, uh, Novak Djokovic. Show me Novak Djokovic. Wow. Man, that swept the category. Ben, Let's I, go. I am impressed <laughs> with, with your tennis knowledge. I figured. How many did uh, How many did uh, Rafa win? Because I don't. He's, no, hey, he's not. He's not good on grass. Two or even, three. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't okay. have very many. All right, Ben, staying alive. French Open is all Woo! right. Topic tennis six. question. Mark it down. Let's go. <laughs> all right. So we go from the grass of Wimbledon to the pitcher's mound in Major League Baseball. Which five Major League Baseball pitchers had at least 14 opening day starts in their career? Ben. <laughs> Ben's in first. Randy Johnson. Show me Randy Johnson. This is a tough category, by the way. You've Obviously, you've heard of all the names on here, and they are all make sense, but there's just so many to pick from, obviously. Yeah. Oh, i got to play it. Okay. The bit, How many the more do I need to get? Just hit the minimum requirement. Four yeah, left. One out of the five. Yep, four, four left. left. Okay. Four what, Roger starts? Roger Clemens. Show me Roger Clemens. The rocket is not on the list. All right, how far how far back does All right. this go? I was going to say we're going to note here that none of the guys on this list are active, but it does go back a ways for some of, for at least one of them. But a lot of them are actually in relatively the same era. But there's probably a, safe to consider them the modern era of baseball. Right. I would, say. I would yeah. But four not, of the five are modern. Are for sure, modern yeah. era. But um, you said Clemens. He actually he had 13, which puts him in a tie for sixth place just outside of the top five. How about Greg Maddox? Show me Greg Maddox. <laughs> That's a no good rocket, guess. No I was mad dog. surprised that he was not on that list. Oral Hershiser. Show me Oral Hershiser. Good grief. No Oral Hershiser. Greg only has to get one of the remaining four to win the game. That, this is a hard question. It is a really hard question. Yep, no doubt. First name I wrote down was Tom Seaver. So let's go Tom Seaver. Show me Tom Seaver for the win. He actually is the number one all-time leader with 16. And then you have a... Randy Johnson, who Ben mentioned, and then Steve Carlton, Walter Johnson, and Jack Morris, all with 14 as well. Wow. 
Woo. Like, you could have given me 50 guesses, and I wouldn't have got all those. I might have gotten uh, Steve Carlton. That was another one I was thinking about. Seaver was with the Reds, the Mets, even maybe the White Sox or somebody late in his career. He was pretty dominant. Yep. All right. I knocked you off. I can't believe it. You've been on Man, a run. I feel like I did a lot weeks. of the heavy lifting in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, for, for losing this one, Ben, you really did. You were on top oh, your of your tennis, game. Your tennis thing was unbelievable. And your Heisman Trophy thing. Heisman I should have got, got Darian, too. And you all, that's what I was going to say. You did the heavy lifting on the, the uh, interception Interceptions. Too. That's the way she goes sometimes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Austin, great to have you with us here on the show tonight. Uh, our famous face-off brought to you by Famous Dave. When we come back... We'll jump in with our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle. That's next. We're back on a Sports Island Wednesday night. And starting tonight and for the Wednesdays for the foreseeable future, we're going to do our Major League Baseball updates with our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, the former host of this show, now a member of the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast crew. Time to check in with Lane. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, guys, it's about to get busy after about a four-month hiatus. Um, I saw some Twitter pictures. You at the ballpark. That had to be that had to feel good for you. A little bit, I would say therapeutic probably would be a, a good way to describe it. It's been great uh, to be back at the ballpark over the last two weeks. I haven't been down there every day, but I've been down there a lot. Uh, last night I went down and watched our inter-squad game. It was under the lights. Uh, we're doing a blue-gold series. Kind of take yourself to the fall with Nebraska, with the, the red-white World Series that they do at, at Haymarket Park. It's kind of a similar concept and trying to get these guys ready to go to, to start the season on the 24th. So it's been good to be around the ballpark. It's a little different. Really don't have any contact with the guys other than via Zoom calls. So there's really no in-person contact with a lot of the guys that you are typically spending the summers with. But it's been good all the same and looking forward to getting back on the mic soon. How has the testing for the most part gone? I know there was an issue over the 4th of July weekend that there was a lag in testing and getting results back. But but outside of that, has it gone okay? Well, I think the most important thing that everybody has to understand with this situation is that nobody's done this before. There, there is no template. Everybody's trying to figure this out as we go. We're kind of trying to build the spaceship on our way to the moon, right? I mean, this is not an easy thing to do. So uh, MLB wanted to make sure with their testing policy that they had ample tests available, that they were testing frequently so that they had pretty close to real-time results of who was infected and, and who was clear. But in, in order to do that, they didn't want to take away from the general public either, so they wanted to kind of create their own testing situation or their own testing process uh, in, in, in order to get this done. And so they basically created their own lab for this and uh, went out and, and put this all together. So uh, there's been some trial and error early on. There's no doubt. It's been, it's been documented in the press. But I think uh, for the most part, things are starting to come along in that regard. The Brewers have had no complaints on their end. Uh, they, they, they did theirs a little differently in terms of what the intake looked like. A lot of these teams kind of staggered their intake with guys showing up over 
that can get a little bit confusing and you have different quarantines going on and different windows that you're trying to keep track of. The Brewers just brought everybody in at once. So everybody's basically on the same testing schedule. And I think that has led to less confusion and it's made it m maybe move along a little bit more smoothly for the Brewers than maybe a couple of other teams. And I know you can only speak to the Brewers. That's the only camp you've been around. But are the guys close to being ready in your estimation to launch this thing in about a week as far as playing at a high level? Well, I've been surprised from a pitching standpoint. I really had no concerns that uh, position players would be able to get ready to go. Most guys that are veteran guys, and uh, of course not everybody's a veteran guy, but most guys that have spent a few years at the big league level, they probably truly only need 25 to maybe 40 at-bats at the most to kind of get their timing down and get themselves straightened out and ready to go. And, and so I, I didn't feel like there was going to be any issue in getting the position players ready in a little bit shorter window than what you would typically have for a spring training. I was a little bit more curious about what was going to happen with arms. Can you get a relief pitcher ready to go? Probably. How comfortable are you going to go? Are you going to be going back-to-back -back with a reliever early on in the year? We're going to find that out as the season starts. But building up the, the, the arm strength and the innings and the, the pitch count for the starting pitchers is what really intrigued me the most. Well, Brandon Woodruff, last week in his first, I won't even call it an inner squad. It was basically a situational scrimmage. But in his first time out, he went 70 pitches, and he worked five innings. I was really surprised by that. I thought we would see guys go more two, three innings. And I think you can't put a blanket over, you know, Brandon Woodruff is what everybody else is because everybody had a different situation during this downtime. They had a different partner to play catch with. They had, Maybe some guys were able to get on a mound and, and actually still throw bullpens and stay on a relatively decent schedule. Uh, everybody's situation was different because everybody has different facilities at their disposal wherever they were quarantined at. So, you know, Brandon Woodruff in his situation doesn't speak to everybody's, but that really surprised me. And I, I was like, wow, you know, Brandon Woodruff's not that far away from being where he would be at the end of spring training going into uh, the season. So I, I think that uh, guys are probably built up more than I thought they would be at this juncture. And so I'm not as concerned about that as I was at the beginning of camp. Again, we're visiting with Lane Grindle, our Major League Baseball insider, brought to you by Nebraska Realty. I know there's some players that have opted out not to play this year. I saw a story about 11 umpires have opted out. Again, a shortage for umpires, or is, is that not really a big concern? Well, there's a lot of guys that are minor league umpires that aren't going to have work this year, so they'll, they'll call those guys up. They've done that in the past anyway. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that there's, there's plenty of guys they can pull from if they need to, and I'm not even sure they need to. They have a pretty good group that rotates around. There's talk of potentially putting the, the umpires on the team charters so they don't have to, to travel commercially uh, to get around, and so that, that may help the situation a little bit too, getting guys from play, point A to point B, but uh, I don't know that they'll have to dip down into the minor leagues to bring umpires up, but there's certainly plenty of guys out there with the – the skill set and the resume to, to step in and, and do a good job. We've heard that a lot of teams have scheduled some exhibition games for early next week before the big start on Friday. Are the Brewers going to do some of that as well? Yeah, I think, you know, the majority of the buildup here is going to be the inner squads, but uh, to get a little bit of a real-time feel, uh, a real game feel, and a real game feel against somebody else with 
nobody in the stands, which is going to be an adjustment for these guys. It, it, it was in everybody's best interest to at least get one of these games scheduled. You could schedule up to three, but logistically really hard to do. I mean, maybe not as hard for a New York team because you could have the Yankees play the Mets, stay in your city. You could go uh, down to Philadelphia very easily, even all the way down to D.C. and, and move around on that East Coast and, and, and get games in. Harder to do if you're a little bit more separated from, from everybody else. Well, the Brewers open up in Chicago against the Cubs, so they're going to go down uh, a couple of days early. They'll play the White Sox at guaranteed rate on Wednesday, have Thursday off, and then, um, well, or do I have my math right there? They're going to play them on the 22nd and then open up on the 24th. Uh, you know how days get going uh, during this quarantine. We start to lose track of what, what but they will, op- they, will, they will have their exhibition game on the 22nd, and then on the 24th they'll open up the regular season against the Cubs. So they'll have kind of one dry run at guaranteed rate. Um, I think that's important. I think that's good. They're not going to do the full three because do you want to fly to Detroit for an exhibition game or do you want to have Detroit bus to you or Minnesota bus to you? Kind of takes you out of maybe another day that you could be on the field getting work done when you need those days. So uh, I think logistically it was going to be hard for, for most of these teams to get those three exhibition games in. But I think getting one in is important. And with the Brewers opening up in Chicago, it gave them a chance to play the White Sox and have a day off before getting ready to open the season against the Cubs. Lane, what are you hearing about? Are they going to pump crowd noise into the games? What are you hearing on that front? Well, they're experimenting with it now, and I, I have to tell you, I think that I think they will. I think this will stick. Um, you know, when you first hear that, it it, it sounds kind of different, and it maybe is a little hard to wrap your mind around it and be okay with it. But then once you sit in the stadium and hear it, and I was able to do that last night, and I was a little skeptical of it, to be honest with you. But I sat there last night, and it's it's a significant improvement having the crowd noise pumped in. Significant. And some of these uh, stadium ops people are talented enough that they can they can feel the game, and they've got other files on hand. That, you know, it's kind of like a soundboard, right? So a home run gets it, they can hit a button, and now the crowd you know, raises up and gets even louder and reacts to it. Um, you know, you, you draw a walk, maybe there's still a little bit of a, a, a hum in the air, but it's maybe, maybe raised just a little bit. Strikeout, there's a reaction. So there's even some reactionary crowd noise to kind of fit the flow of the game. At least that's what we had last night at Miller Park, and, and I really liked it. I think there's a lot of advantages to it. One, as a broadcaster, very selfishly, it, it, it raises you up. It, it just gives you more energy you don't get into that really comfortable kind of uh, too conversational type of casual uh, broadcasting voice. I mean, you're able to kind of keep your edge about you a little bit easier. I think that's important. I also think, though, from the player standpoint, uh, it's gonna it's gonna give them a little bit of atmosphere, but it's also gonna drown out anything said in the other dugout and vice versa. And what guys might say at the plate. Um, or catchers and pitchers trying to talk and, and get on the same page, and just all that different stuff, the communication that goes on. With a quiet ballpark, it's harder to do all of that because everybody can hear everything, and it's all echoing and bouncing off of, off of the seats in the stands. So I think it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, a lot of teams are kind of playing around with it right now, but I thought, at least in my opinion, it, it significantly improved the atmosphere from when I was there the week before and there was no sound. I, I thought it worked, and I think it, it's something that's going to stick around this year. All right, my friend. Well, we're glad to be able to add you back into our Wednesday lineup every week and, and your extended vacation and your 
your lounge pool days and your exotic fishing trips, those are those are over now. They're those are done. Hey, we took full advantage of it. It was great. I <laughs> uh, got a lot of fishing in during got a little bit of pool time in. But yeah, we're ready to get back to work. Uh baseball's still number one, man. And, and as much fun as this has been and it's been great. Um, and it's been great having the extra family time, as, as we all know. But I like sharing baseball with my family at the ballpark. And that's going to be different this year because we're not going to be able, be able to be at the ballpark together. But my kids are still locked in. They were watching the inter-squad game last night online. And, and, and following the Brewers as a, fan, as a family is something that we have a lot of fun with. So it's going to be nice to have that back in our lives. Well, very good. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Greg. All right, tomorrow night we continue our position breakdowns. We did running backs last night. We're going to go defensive backs tomorrow night. So Travis Fisher will join us tomorrow night on the program. We're really looking forward to talking about his room, which I think is really getting congested in a good way, congested with good, solid football players, which should really help the depth of this team by having those guys because a lot of those players that aren't maybe starters on defense can make a big impact on special teams. So looking forward to that for tomorrow night. We'll also have Teddy Greenstein. And I know everybody's excited, the final, Ben, edition of 7-on-7 for the summer. We're going to put it to bed after tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Man, it seems like just yesterday we were integrating that in our every show type scenario with the – with the situation with COVID-19, but yeah, I mean, t- turning that around and, uh, and ending it's a kind of, kind of a sad day. I think we do need to bring up last night's running backs because Josh is with us tonight and I, he put, remember he put Wisconsin six, you got the Badgers running backs at six. I did. I, I was texting with Austin earlier in the day and he was like, yeah, the Big Ten running backs aren't like there's not a lot of teams that have like, you know, there's a lot of holes in there. And, I, and he's like, I don't even really think Wisconsin is is has very much there. And I'm like, yeah, I put him number six. And I <laughs> he was he obviously didn't have him quite that low. Neither did you guys. But I, I feel like they they always get a little bit too much credit for things like that. And I mean, granted, they'll probably have uh, like the, like you said, the stud running back freshman come in and, and run for over a thousand yards. But I feel like part of it too, is they always have an unbelievable offensive line, which I mean, that's part of it, but it's yeah. still, I just don't feel like they're, they're that proven. They can't get that lucky. Can they get another Jonathan <laughs> Tater type? I mean, I know this kid's a, like a four star and like Ben, you said last night, watching B Saquon Barkley, if he's not, Jonathan Tater, holy moly! I hope some, not. Some good backs come out of that state. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope this guy is is all hype and, and and not real. I haven't done the deep dive yet into the West for the DBs. I like what I got for Nebraska. We'll see how they stack up tomorrow night as we'll rank those tomorrow evening as well. Big show tomorrow. With that, Teddy Greenstein usually stops by on Thursday. Is he still on vacation? Or no, where? he's back. Is he back now? Okay. Well, good. He'll be back in the windy. So maybe he's going to go catch some Major League Baseball in the next week or so. So we'll have Teddy and, again, the final edition of 7 on 7 and our Flix Pick segment tomorrow night coming your way as well. What a fun hour. Great uh, performance by Ben and Famous Faceoffs. I was lucky tonight. Stole two to win that thing tonight. And always good to hear from Lane Grindle. We'll crank up with him each and every Wednesday now that baseball is back on the Major League level. Can't wait for that to be happening. Good hour here. Another hour to go on Sports Nightly here on a hump day show. Wednesday night here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network.